Hail Satan! <laughs> Hail Satan, everybody! Woo! Oh, Hail yeah. Satan! <laughs> We're going to be talking about the devil. Oh, <laughs> going devil. down to dear good old Georgia. Because I think the devil went down there. And uh, he brought us some property. And yes. Yeah. And he decided that that's where he's going to start investing. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> why there? I don't the know. Property value can only go up. <laughs> and he's doing pretty well these days, I hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I was thought about too, you know, if uh, hell had like uh, central air conditioning, I would, uh, I'd be fine going there. I'm like, yeah, it's hot, but. It's... <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, would you, I but would they have be... really great drinks. I mean, come on now. All your favorite celebrities would be there. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Excuse me. Where else would you want to be? Holy shit. Oh. Yes. This podcast may contain adult language, adult situations, spoilers, and some brief nudity, so parental guidance is adjusted. We have such sights to show you. After about five minutes of this movie, you're going to wish you had ten beers. I'm such. And? And there are many gifts in the world and many times as well. But I am Sancho. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Listen, Walter. I made a great reporter out of you, Hildy, but you won't be half as good on any other paper in you know it. We're a team. That's what we are. You need me and I need you. And the paper needs all of America. So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Oh, well. <laughs> la di da. La di da. La la. Yeah. Welcome back to the Cinema Recall Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Cinema Recall. Kind of doing a uh, special episode here. Uh, Donnie, our guest, is one of our $10 Patreon tiers, and I fucking love you so much. And he gets to choose an episode of his choosing to talk about. It could be about anything. It doesn't even have to be about movies. It could just be about his favorite toilets or his oh. favorite carpets. I mean, anything with the world. Hello, everyone. I'm the Vern here, as you all know here. And my guests are the co-hosts, the hosts of the Teacher's Kiss podcast. I got Donnie and Linda. Say hello to everyone out there. Hello. Greetings, all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We are just diving into the show. Uh, today, we're talking about John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Uh, this was Donnie's pick. Uh, but before we get into John Carpenter, uh, I want to talk a little bit more with Linda and Donnie. Now, you may have heard Linda and Donnie uh, during our Nate of the Living Dead audio drama. Uh, Donnie played the role of Ben in there. Uh, Linda played the role of the telephone operator in the scene. And both wonderful voice actors, and I hope to have them back <laughs> on very soon. Uh, but for our listeners that don't know, and you may have heard Donnie on our episode talking about Meet the Feebles a little while back. Uh, oh, yeah. But yes, <laughs> just for our <laughs> listeners out there right now, Donnie, just tell them a little bit more about Cage's Kiss. What's going to do with the Cage's Kiss podcast? Well, we're kind of wrapping down here on the Cages Kiss, and we just, as of yesterday, finished off the history of curse words, if I'm saying the title right, Linda? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. history of swear words. Yeah. Yes, 
We learned all about the naughty words hosted by Nicolas Cage over on Netflix. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we've got some rumblings going on. We've got a new podcast heading out that we're going to be introducing people to shortly, I believe. And otherwise, it's been a very awesome, awesome trip. We really have had a lot of fun doing things. We've been pretty damn busy, which is really nice. Yep, oh. yep. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Are you guys going to be tackling a, a new type of star? Linda. Did you share? Or this would be a surprise. Should I like hold off on this? Should I? Oh no. I no, no. So. I think uh, I, I, it's it's not like uh, a big special reveal. We're uh, we're just going to be covering um, <laughs> movies in general, but we're going to have a, a theme that we cover yeah. each month. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be pretty fun, and from what we're supposed to be doing here, we're going to be, each of us, picking a movie each week that we then watch, and at the end of the month, we're going to be deciding which of these best fit the genre that we picked, or the theme, rather. And uh, the winner gets a little special little statue that we're... (laughs) Yes, actually, that's something I... That's something I actually wish I had prepared a little bit more for, but thankfully I am up on my toilet technology, is that if I knew I could have talked about that, the winner gets a Numi 2.0 intelligent toilet. It is a very high-tech smart toilet. I knew this podcast would be about toilets. Perfect. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It even has colored lights, so at night you don't have to worry about where it is when you're going. So I always want to take the shit at a rave. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of frown upon it though, so this is better well, for well, well, I don't know. I'm not saying I would take a shit on the dance floor, but I was the one to go to a rave where there's like lights going on and a bunch of <laughs> 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 with like flashing lights everywhere when I'm like taking the dump because that's like, yeah. the best feel, like clean your bowels. You gotta have atmosphere. Yes, yeah, That's yeah. what I think every time. It's like, I gotta take a shit right here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, this ambiance. <laughs> you can't beat that. Yeah. That, that beef right there really, like, you know, really uh, uses up your bowels right there, so shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. So, can, like, listeners win this prize of the toilet? Well, I'm not gonna... If they donate enough to our Patreon, everyone <laughs> that participates can afford a newbie 2.0 intelligent toilet. <laughs> a newbie 2.0 intelligent toilet. After these messages, we'll be right back. Any horror fans in the house? <laughs> Try the on film. Horror film reviews twice a week. My listeners are bound and tied to have a good time with me exploring films like The Omen, High Tension, and Vivarium. Subscribe to Riley on Film on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you get your podcast. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Do you like movie podcasts hosted by inebriated people? That's Kai with the cracking voice and Heather's touched by evil. One thinks he's Spider-Man, the other is a ninja. It's the Man I Love Film Podcast, it's the MILFCAST. Hey everybody, I'm Kai. And I'm Heather. And we are the hosts of MILFCAST, the Man I Love Films podcast, the unofficial official podcast of ManILoveFilms.com. This is the podcast where we like to talk about what we've been watching, talk about movies, but mainly we just like to drink, be silly, and play a whole bunch of games. So we think every other week you should grab a drink, snuggle up, and let us make sweet love to your ears. Otherwise... 
Well, makes sweet love to your couch. So come and find us on iTunes. Just search for MILFcast. This podcast is a proud affiliate of the Let's Chat Podcast Network. Find out how you can become a part of this team by going to letschatpodcast.net and click on the Let's Chat Affiliates tab. This is the shape of fear. You're not going to like it. This is the color of hell. What is it? And this is the power of the Prince of Darkness. From John Carpenter, director of Halloween. A vision of the most powerful evil of all. Prince of Darkness. Where are you? Rated R. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. All right. Well, I I, I kind of want to know more about what makes it so intelligent. Uh, but <laughs> me too. Yeah. We, but we're we're gonna move on yeah. to our, our our topic, which is gonna be Prince of Darkness. And since this was your pick, Donnie, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna put the reins over to you. All right. I've got this horse here, and oh. I don't know exactly what to do with it. So I'm gonna give you the horse and. <laughs> You can run with this. Uh, let's talk about yeah. it. Prince of Darkness, John Carpenter. Why'd you pick this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna name this horse Chauncey. Chauncey. Um, <laughs> the Let reason I picked that is a fancy uh, horse. Is, is that good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll live with it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, for the record, my car's name is Mancelot, and I call him Mancy for short. So. Mancelot. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the most manliest of cars. I, I kind of want to hit on your car. You know? <laughs> I don't blame you. With like you know, with you there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a couple of car things. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, not Let's a ditch car. this loser. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking of Jesus. The, the reason I picked this movie is, I mean, I I love uh, John Carpenter films and I love Kurt Russell films, and thankfully the two of those go together so so well. But a lot of people I found through the many years growing up, very, very few have actually heard of Prince of Darkness. And it's one of Carpenter's few films that really does get overlooked, I feel. But it's also had a struggle getting out on Blu-ray as well. And it's not until recently that it actually got a 4K treatment that came out. So I was really super excited to pick that up. And it's also, uh, gosh, I, I know way too much about Carpenter than I should it's kind of part of two trilogies that he did. It's part of a end of the world apocalypse trilogy he did. And it's also one of the three return to low budget films he did because anyone that knows Carpenter knows he's had a real trials and tribulations thing and a love hate with studios in Hollywood. So to kind of relax himself, he decides to go back and do low budget films now and then, or at least he used to. And this, along with The Fog and the They Live, was one of those low-budget films he did. And like a lot of his films, it failed horribly at the box office. But once it came out on video, it found a huge following. But more so than that, the story itself is what I really enjoyed about this. And I really, it's kind of like showing people the thing for the first time. It's just one of those things I love seeing their reaction, just because... Carpenter has a way with stories that he likes to take a concept and especially with horror films and try to find an original way to present it or give it a 
spin that he hasn't seen yet. Yeah. And in that case, yeah, go ahead. No, but if you know, it's in the spin right there, but you're talking about the uh, Apocalypse trilogy, because I think this uh, goes like the Thane, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness. Yep. Are yep. the three movies made with this one here. Um, yep. And you talked about this movie being kind of a box office bomb. Actually, this movie did better than Big Trouble in Little China, which was yes. his movie that he was... made before this one. Uh, that yes. one was a kind of both a critical and financial bomb. And John Carpenter was so frustrated with 20th Century Fox, you know, kind of yeah. like taking the reins, taking away his control of the movie in a way that he just wanted to work independently. Um, that's why he kind of, he uh, situated himself with actors that he already worked with before. He worked with Donald Pleasance before on Halloween. And he worked with uh, Victor Wan and Dennis Dunn from Bit Trouble in Little China to have them come back for this feature. And there's not really that many sets. Um, most of the special effects were done in camera. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to try and mention that really yeah. quick because I've got a few notes here and there about this. Well, um, I was going to say, I also believe a lot of the locations they used were from his old college, too. Yeah, like, I think the yeah. um, the college was his UFC. Yeah, yeah. Film college. Yeah, University of Southern California. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here to help. <laughs> but I... I uh, oh, good. No, go ahead. I was no, just going to say, the, the budget for this film was uh, $3 million. And yeah, like you had said, he had made Big Trouble in Little China, which it's sad to really think that it was such a failure when it came out, considering just how wonderful the film actually is. Oh, it's but, a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, again, it's just one of those, like a lot of his films, it's kind of the concepts there. It's just that at the time, it seems, it really just didn't have an audience. But also, this thing unlike the movie The Thing, did not have to go up against the idea of fighting for the box office against E.T. It's true. <laughs> I mean, that still cracks me up. It's like your choice is either watching a cute, cuddly alien movie with family or watching an alien rip dogs apart. So <laughs> to make their, they made their choice. <laughs> I don't know why families don't want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's... That's kind of like, again, it's the, the story of this I really enjoyed just because um, Carpenter really had a fond, I want to say hobby, for quantum mechanics. And especially for um, oh, quantum theory. And that's kind of what scared him a bit the more he read on that. And that's kind of where he went with this story because it came from a concept from uh, Deborah Hill at the time who had a dream about this. And she had a dream of a dark figure coming out of a church. And she just get scared the bejesus out of her. And he decided, okay, that's a good concept. I can go ahead and work with that. And he decided to start working in the quantum mechanics aspect of it. And yeah. just, again, I, I really like the unique approach on that. Instead of just flat out saying, hey, this is good versus evil. It's like, it's a little bit more that because he didn't want it to be like they're bringing Satan back. It's kind of the son of Satan, like an antichrist of his own making. Yeah, there's not like uh like in most horror movies, there's like this entity of evil. Uh, you yeah. did it before with the shape and Halloween, and even like the fog. Um, mm -hmm. but this one, it's a little bit 
confusing. I mean, this was my first time watching oh, this yeah. movie. I have never <laughs> seen. I I remember the trailers with the canister of like Green Goo, and when I was a kid, I just thought, oh, the Ghostbusters, they capture slime. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. I don't need That's to. That's what worry. I said. Oh, look, insectoplasm. Yeah, I, was like, I I don't need to <laughs> worry about this anymore. Oh, that that green canister. Uh, by the way, that was just a lava lamp. Yep. Yes. Uh, thank you to uh, Cecil Trachtenberg from Good Bad Flicks for giving me a lot of trivia about the making of this movie, which is most of my facts come from. So thank you for that little shout out there. Um, what is this movie about, Donnie? Well, that's that's kind of the interesting fun part. Is it's after you get through, I think, God, it was what. 10, 12 minutes of opening credits. Yeah, I think you like all the credits. Almost 10. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because even during that, it's like it's slowly unraveling without really any dialogue, this background for the story, which is that a small church in this rundown town ends up being this huge secret of the church that has contained basically the essence of evil. And they're trying to keep it secret. They're trying to keep it safe. But at the same time, they want to confirm actually what is in this. And that's the interesting part of the concept is trying to fuse science with religion and actually saying, okay, let's prove the existence of this. Because if this is, in fact, what we think it is, then by proxy, you can say that there is actually good and evil. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And during the process of this, evil finds a way to set itself free from this canister, which I believe they even said there's no outside locks. They're all from the inside of the canister. Yeah, I I really thought that they were just trying to hide Baruin 5's death CD. Yes. (laughs) It's very possible. (laughs) I could have sworn that's what they're trying to do. Okay, maybe not. All right, go ahead. But yeah, it's... Evil breaks loose eventually, and it starts zombifying, taking over. I think it does takes over three people total. And as it does, one of these unfortunate people, um, she ends up Susan. I, I kept I like, oh god, I forgot who she was. <laughs> Susan ends up the uncaring host for the apocalypse child in her belly. And she has to find a way to bring her father, an evil, evil being, out from the underworld, which is a very, very fun scene when that actually gets to uh, come close to happening. Spoilers. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we, we, don't, uh, we don't complain at all about spoilers <laughs> on here. Um, yeah, the... Um... I, yeah, I was just going to add, I... The, the scene with that when she's reaching through the mirror is like both my most favorite, but also when you realize how they did it, just cringy moments. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they, they put a lot of good makeup work in this movie. I, I won't, I won't oh, deny that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. But, I mean, did you, do you know what they used to create the mirror effect? Uh, I think I, Mercury something, or? Yes, they yeah. emptied the Mercury from their gear into a little collection to make it look reflect like wow mercury looks very reflective that could be cool for a mirror yeah like yeah let's just let's just open that up and then very <laughs> very cautiously put it all back so we don't kill anyone oh god oh <laughs> yeah, well, and they it, was, it was prosthetic very... for the arm 
Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it's not. <laughs> it's not her putting her hand still in Mercury. Not fun, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does it burn your hand? I'm not quite sure what Mercury does. I never actually played on Mercury. Mercury is highly poisonous. It can cause blindness, death, oh. and yeah, if you get it and on you. Yes, and insanity. Oh yes. shit. And that's actually was a concern for uh, lighthouse keepers way back in the days. They actually had to fill those the lights with mercury and put in the fuel and such. That's why they had special gear to handle that because it could cause insanity. Oh, and shit. they used to uh, use it in the creation of uh, like top hats. And that's why uh, they, yes, they have yes. the phrase mad as a hatter. Yeah, because they would put it inside the band of the hat. And mm-hmm. it's one of those that the more exposure you get to that. And it's, it's kind of the same thing that happened with uh, photographers, too. Because back then, your lab for photography was a wagon. They just put your head inside the space with a hood over it. And you're essentially breathing in all these chemical fumes. So Man, I tell you, all this stuff is fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> Got to breathe in all these toxic chemicals. And... <laughs> That's what we do to prepare for Cage's kiss. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to say what but... <laughs> it's about the same there. Well, this movie, Prince of Darkness, uh, its main theme seems to be more like uh, science kind of versus yeah. religion because mm-hmm. I know that Donald Pleasance plays this priest because at the beginning of the movie, you have this older priest who has this like steel caster on his chest yeah. and... I could tell by the scene that he's going to die, and he does, and Don Pleasant's character, Casey Caster, finds out, you know, he's like, what are the, there's like this uh, this set, this religious set that's been keeping this caster guarded as a secret for several years, it seems like, several thousands of years, mm-hmm. and through some stuff happened with the sun and the moon, stuff with nature, it's awaken this creature uh but because of people's sort of like reliance on science no one seems to like worry about this creature stirring and be born so Don Pleasance finds this sort of like college this set of college studying quantum physics and whatnot uh teacher is Victor played by Victor Juan and he basically hires them to translate this book so that if people know that this entity is real, then they'll take it more seriously. But here's what confused me. If this thing has been locked up for so many years, and it's still kind of like locked up, despite all the, you know, it's, yeah, it's being awoken, but it's locked in a church. I mean, what good was translating that book going to do? <laughs> That's what, what I, I got. Is I mean, yeah. Uh, Donald Pleasance's character doesn't have a name. It's just the priest. Yeah. And I saw somebody's comment refer to him as Father Loomis. <laughs> oh, God, Father Loomis. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It just got it stuck. Which is true because he is kind of like playing that yeah. character yeah. in a way, just in a priest uniform. Uh, I, yes. I just want to have a freak out moment. I saw it! <laughs> I'm gonna do a horrible uh, pleasant impersonation there. Sorry, I apologize about that, folks. It was here. The evil is here. It's gone now. Does Donald Pleasance ever suck? 
I don't well, think no. so. Even in the uh, what was it, uh, American Rickshaw? Oh, I haven't I, seen that. He, oh God, you've you've got to see it. He does an impersonation of a pig when he gets possessed at some point. It's hilarious. It's oh really. boy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. So we got this. I'm looking uh, it up now. This cast character is now mm-hmm. one of the actors in this. I think uh, Jameson Parker, who is just wearing like this awesome mustache. I believe that's the guy. That's like one of the main guys in this movie, right? Yeah. The Brian. Yeah. I'm I I I'm not quite sure about this though, but I'm pretty sure he was. If if uh, Kurt Russell was gonna play a role, it would be this. <laughs> pretty much. But he had that rockin' '80s stash. Oh, totally. <laughs> he really was happy with that stash. <laughs> oh, he was. And his character was a creeper, man. Oh, the way he kind of like uh, kind of flirted with uh, Catherine, Catherine's character, yeah, the character played by yeah. Lucia Blanc, quote unquote flirting. <laughs> yeah, and he was waiting for her outside a building. I was like, "Girl, get away from that dude!" <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the stash enough to tell you don't trust this guy? <laughs> go, just, just go. Apparently, oh. apparently not right there. Uh, yeah, most of these actors in this movie, I mean, apparently that, uh, Jameson Parker was the lead in that show, Simon and Simon, which mm. I have never seen before. So I apologize. Me uh, neither. In fact, both of the actors here, like, the girl that gets possessed, like, the girl that's, like, gonna have the baby or yeah. whatnot there, I, I, <laughs> I thought I saw her and other things, but I looked up her IMDb, I'm like, nope. Have not. She appeared. Uh, that actor's name is, uh, I believe, Susan Blanchard. And mm-hmm. I, I looked at her IMDb credits on there. She was in They Live and a few other shows, but mm-hmm. she just has that face. I'm like, I'm sure you've been an extra on other things, but you just didn't want to let me know that you were an extra on there. <laughs> um, I, I do, like I said, I do love the fact that you have Victor Wan and Dennis Dunn from Big Trouble in Little China. And for me, this movie could be kind of like a sequel to Big Trouble in Little China. Almost. <laughs> they're a just, very dark sequel. Well, true, but they're they're not they're not like uh you know it still has to do with like you no know, mysticism and whatnot, and they're just gonna do a whole new adventure. <laughs> I just wanted to see Jack Burton in this. I I oh, really want to have a Jack Burton <laughs> in this movie. I just always want to see him. <laughs> Just, well, I have a song for him. I mean, at the end of Big Trouble Little China, when he's driving off in his truck, he does have the demon creature in the back. So, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. kind of an evil tie there. There, There's a tie right there, but I, I just want to have just some sort of, like, snarky attitude of everything going around. Like, some sort of, like, someone <laughs> kind of, like, breaking the fourth wall or just having some, like, weird comments on there because apparently... After the scientists get into this church and they're set up all their equipment and whatnot, uh, the Susan Blanchard character bumps her arm into something, then suddenly she has like this like image on her oh, arm, yeah. Yeah. which I thought was just like mm-hmm. a, a cross for some reason. Um, and then one of the girls, see, I had a hard time like writing down a character's name, so I wrote down. <laughs> Like, this uh, nerdy girl, 
goes into the basement where the evil goo is and yeah the evil goo is some the evil goo somehow is able to like put its goo on the ceiling and like was that happening for a while because it seems like that goo was on that ceiling for quite some time but oh yeah the canister was like slowly gripping goo on the ceiling and i'm pretty sure they have to have someone in the church check on the goo every once in a while <laughs> like a janitor of some sort but hey how's the goo doing um and, and here's the thing too did not did no one think about trying positive reinforcements because remember that uh goo from ghostbusters 2 yes yes it had all it, kind to it. it. Yeah, it was, it was an all negative, but you know you gotta play some Sam Cooke. Yeah. <laughs> Did you sleep with the goo? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe the goo is just feeling frustrated because no one has slept with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I've I've got to say that that actress Anne Marie Howard who played uh, Susan Cabot, Donnie, that's probably where you were supposed to say who. <laughs> well, I'm still trying to remember who she is. <laughs> Throughout the whole movie, anytime like somebody would be like, "Have you seen Susan?" They'd go, "Who? <laughs> the one with the glasses?" Yeah. It was so sad. She, <laughs> yeah, nobody knew who the fuck she was except for Dirk Blocker, but um, she actually played a, a co-anchor in The Weatherman with our dude, Nicolas Cage. Yes. She did. Oh, wow. Our boy. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. we have a, another connection here. <laughs> and and it has a Dirk Blocker from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Nine-Nine. Oh. And um, he's looking sexy as, as hell. <laughs> and... <laughs> and I have to say, I, I have to give props to uh, Carpenter for being a director in the 80s who had three Asian actors and didn't make any of them, like, if, like uh, use a stupid accent. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hear that a lot from people when they're talking about Bitch Up in Little China. They're saying that that movie is a mm -hmm. negative representation of Asian culture, which I just never saw it all i mean it just seems mm -hmm. that everyone was working together and I, I like the fact too that uh he doesn't really make mention of it he just yeah. treats yeah. the characters as like everyone else and it's yeah. not part of the plot or anything it's just like hey here are these guys who are of asian descent and okay we can move on from this we're not making this natural <laughs> statement here Except yeah. for Walter's uh, joke of, you know, you could almost pass for pass for Asian. Oh, that one, that one, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but like, always, yeah, uh, but it, it, I love that, that he didn't make them have like Asian characters. They're just yeah. characters, and I, I, I really, you know, it's some, it's sad, but it's rare to see in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, true. I think it's I think it's great that uh, an actual Asian character saying that to another Asian character. I think that makes it more yeah. more fun, in my opinion. There, um, yes. Uh, we also should mention too that this movie has uh, famed rock star Alice Cooper. And yes. It's... Yeah. Um, and do you happen to know how he became part of the cast? I do because <laughs> um, 
John Carpenter saw Alice Cooper at a live show, and he saw him impaling someone with a mic stand, and he's like, hey, that was kind of cool. Could we have you do the same sort of effect? Yeah. But this time just with a bicycle. Yeah. And that's actually funny because Alice Cooper brought, he used his own prop. And um, there, it's kind of, it's really funny because, like you mentioned, it was they met, um, he saw him at a live show. Yeah. But he actually got to talk to Cooper at a WrestleMania. And really? Yeah. yeah. He saw, they were both there at the WrestleMania and he met Cooper backstage. And Cooper's like, man, I'd love to be on set to one of your films one day. And as it so turned out, uh, one of the producers that worked on Prince of Darkness also was managing Alice Cooper. So they were able to work getting him on set. And then that's when Carpenter's like, hey, you know, we got this part for a psychotic bum. I would love for you to play. And we want you to kill someone with your bike. And we got a prop we can make for. He's like, no, I'll just bring my own. So yeah. that's what he did. He used <laughs> his stage it. prop from his shows. And like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, Now, is this also where John Carpenter met uh, Roger Wright and Piper is in WrestleMania for They Live? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I and hope so. It's one of those he'd been wanting to work with him for a while. And it's it's kind of funny because uh, John Carpenter and also Stephen King were huge, huge fans of wrestling way back in the day. And they'd regularly attended a couple of the big WrestleMania events. I fucking but, love uh, They Live. <clears throat> also, um, like Linda was mentioning, the woman we keep forgetting the name of, uh, oh. Susan, she, uh, Carpenter actually had to point out, and I, I love this about his films. Whenever you listen to his commentaries, he barely remembers anything about his films. But it's like the most wonderful thing because he does it kind of as a troll whenever he has other actors on there because then he lets them take the stories and go, oh, wow, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's just kind of funny, but <clears throat> he... Uh, he mentioned that Joe Bob Briggs showed uh, Prince of Darkness on his old show back on TNT. I think it was the TNT Monster Vision. Yeah, I think it was. And, yeah, and he actually had mentioned that Susan was actually the Lee Press-on-Nails girl. She was the, the main model they used for that back then. And I guess that was what she did before this. And they kind of teased the fact that even like even on set, the the woman herself, she's just like, the nicest, sweetest, soft-spoken person. And that's why a couple of people just looked at him oddly when he's like, you're going to be the mother of the Antichrist. Yeah. <laughs> we're just going to fuck your face up. <laughs> like, why would you do this? Like, because I can. Oh, no. Oh, no. The mother of the Antichrist was Kelly, Susan Blanchard. Yes. Not the nerdy girl. Not the, uh, the, uh, Oh, God, no. The no. Yeah, the, Susan yes. The but she was the but also the uh, the character played by Amber Howard she was like kind of one of the first ones yeah. to be possessed and yeah yeah I, I, here's one thing too so like she you know gets possessed and then she spits her green goo on other people and that person gets possessed <laughs> yeah. um, but for some reason the character of Kelly she's the one that gets her face you know looks like it's all like burnt. She would have been like a great girlfriend for Freddy Krueger. Yeah, <laughs> Near the end of that, I mean, yeah, she probably would have been better off because there's someone that knows his pain right there, and that would have been a great little love triangle. So I, I was kind, I was just kind of confused, like, well, why does she get to be the one to be all 
deformed. Yeah. I mean, the other characters, yeah, they're deformed, but not as much as she is. No. Um, basically, when I was watching this film, I just saw one person didn't possess, and then they find another person, and then they possess that person, uh, all while uh, they're trying to translate this book because to make sense of be the fact that I'm like agnostic and Mm -hmm. I was raised by atheist parents Uh, most movies that have to do with like the devil and whatnot or sense of evil never really affected me much as the people like the exorcist never really I was like man that girl's gotta get just better makeup just put some makeup on her she'll be fine (laughs) All right, just I mean, all Maybe the time. Ta- all... hydrated. Yeah, like, all, all the like the toxic things she talks about and everything like that. That's like most like message boards out there. I mean, so yeah, I, I can't really see anything wrong with it. So the whole thing about this devil coming back or like this green goo that comes out and even the image because they're all have all the scientists in this are most likely having the same nightmare of this creature as it's in a church. I'm like, yeah, but they're moving really kind of slow. I mean, you could just yeah. close the door and lock it. <laughs> <laughs> nope. You know, I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, well, even, yeah, even with the, uh, the, what do you call it? The, uh, homeless people outside the entire army that Alice Cooper leads. I mean, they're pretty damn slow, except for the grandma who just like <laughs> charges at the man who's being attacked by bugs. And, yeah. Oh, that that actually that was a fun shot because I believe they had her on the back of a truck. It was uh it was kind of like a similar effect that Hitchcock had used too, oh, and yeah. it just has like rushing toward him. If you actually watch it, you can see that she's just hovering. She just kind of flies toward him. Oh, yeah. I mean, the movie does have some like pretty incredible made-up effects. Uh, we talked about, and I'm just trying to remember right now the name of that actor. Who was turned to bugs? Um, yeah, he gets some of the he gets one of the creepier scenes and lines in that too. Yeah, uh, I I know that uh, he was like one of the stagehands or person that helps put together uh, the production Ooh. design. Like not the production designer, but someone that actually helps. In yeah, the production there was design. a there was another actor as well that uh, kind of did similar on set too, and. I believe I can't remember his name offhand, but Linda might know. Um, he was the the man who was whistling in people's faces, annoying people, and he was in uh, uh, the last Howard Hawks film with uh, John Wayne, Rio Lobo. Oh wow! Oh yeah. Oh, you're talking about? Um, oh come on! I know. Uh, right? I just had him. Peter Jason. Mm. Uh, Doctor Paul Leahy, Peter Jason. Is that it? I've believe it is yeah yeah he was in a lot of stuff but he he helped a lot with the the making of the film oh all right uh so now that the scientists are kind of like disappearing one at a time it's kind of funny too that these possessed people are not kind of being quiet about what they're doing but yet they can still fool these other scientists Mm -hmm. Because the other scientists are kind of busy translating the book to the fact that they can't really notice other people disappearing. 
And if someone disappears, they just automatically think that they're sleeping or taking a nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As this person while they're yeah. oh they're probably just sleeping they're just tired like oh, you should, they've kind of been gone for like a while oh they're sleeping. Yeah. Uh, they're... They have a fountain of goo shooting out of their face they're fine. They're fine yeah. <laughs> have you seen Susan? Who? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. With the glasses. With the glasses right there. I, I think one starts to become wise to it though when they start seeing. The translation of the computer, like the devil's talking, like, uh, yeah. you won't be saved, uh, Pluto won't save you, and whatnot. And I'm like, so the devil's coming to Earth right there, starting to talk about world destruction. Like, come on now, in 2020, I'm sure, like, in 1987, this movie was like, oh, all the evil in the world is going to be coming here. I'm like, look, we live in 2020 now, all right? We've seen evil in the world, so. <laughs> I'm sorry, devil, but uh, give it your worst, I guess, because we've already been kind of like living through uh, kind of apocalypse right now. So, yeah. Yeah. I- I'm sure if I saw this movie back in like the 80s, it probably would have been a little bit more terrifying because I do recall seeing moments of this when I was a kid with that green caster and not quite sure mm-hmm. what was going on and like people becoming more possessed in acting weird uh but seeing it through like a 2020s lens it's just like okay come on devil all right i will i want to give the devil a shot i mean we had two for four <laughs> years let's let's give satan a shot why not it can't be the worst wait 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 let's hear him out <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. well all he needs is to come out through a mirror it's like well, that's pretty weak i guess i mean i just got a couple of my mirrors in. yeah see <laughs> <laughs> the one in the stand who's like hold up hold yeah. up <laughs> <laughs> let's not be so quick to judge yeah <laughs> he's just perceived as evil you guys come on <laughs> he may <laughs> have like yeah. a good you know sort of like covid plan we don't know yes, exactly <laughs> he can help us out come on God. why, why, but, uh, would, why uh, would the devil want to like kill all of us he needs souls okay i mean yeah. don't <laughs> You, want... you gotta have workers. You gotta Come have workers. Yeah, you don't want to kill them all right away. Yeah, we have this system called gods and clods. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny mentioning the the dialogue on the computer. They're translating because everyone at first when they came out, like, oh wow, that's so cool. I wonder where they got it. And Carpenter's like, it was gibberish. It was stuff he wrote. It's like he just came up with this. Stuff. I was like, yeah, that that sounds pretty ancient. Sure, cool. Yeah. Let's put that in yeah. there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I guess. I uh, I wrote this down too. Uh, it's about writing here. So the writer is credited as Martin Quatermass. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a made-up name. John Carpenter actually wrote this. Yeah. Um, but uh, it had to do with like um, I think Alan Quatermass. Mm-hmm. And I really thought for sure that I looked up the name, and I really thought that uh, there was a another writer of like Quatermass for Halloween three. Yes, he was like the, one of the original writers of Halloween three that both uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill produced. Um, yeah, and he was uncredited for that. That's why I used the the pseudonym. Yes. So yeah, I just found it to be. Kind of anything there. Uh, it is, yeah. So a- after, you know, so once, you know, the scientists start to realize of, like, 
all the evil shit going on there. Then they start to like spring into action and yes. do their best to fight the characters. There's one sequence where a guy with the help of his friends escapes from the window and goes to the street, but then realizes that, you know, Alice Cooper and his like yeah. almost brigade are going to kill him so that he finds a way with the help of his friends to get back to there. And I was thinking, why did he try to escape? Didn't he, couldn't he see them? I mean, right. Yeah. He could have, uh, I, I don't know what his plan was. Uh, maybe he did not know. It would be great because the first guy that gets killed is this sort of like nerdy guy and he leaves work and is like going to go home and yeah. he, he stumbles upon Alice Cooper and for some reason he can't run past them or anything like that. He just ends up getting killed by a bike, which is yeah. a way to die. So <laughs> the scientists never actually see that. So I don't know why that when that one guy does escape, he becomes so scared that he comes back in. I mean, Alyssa says something about the <laughs> 80s and people's fear of homeless people, which makes sense, you know, because yeah. people... But I do lo- love your uh, phrase, homeless brigade. <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were a homeless brigade. I, yeah. mean, well, I and, expect uh, them to be musical. <laughs> but, but, well, it's, Alice it's Cooper. Kind of, uh, yeah, true. you could have let them. Oh, gosh, that's <laughs> even uh, another thing, too, that carried on from Alice Cooper, because he... It's a little known fact about him. He was one of the few, the first uh, rockers to actually include one of his songs in a movie. And the first one was Man Behind the Mask in uh, Friday the 13th, Jason Lives. Yes. And also in this one, one of the, he's one the, of the man men who's killed. the mask. I, and he's I out of control. That. I remember buying that 45. <laughs> I've never oh seen God. Jason Lives, but I bought the 45 with that song. Dude, that is awesome. I wish I still had it. <laughs> oh man but even even in this one uh one of the people that's killed um i believe it's the the nerdy guy uh it, it, someone had oh. their headphones on and they were listening to prince of darkness by alice cooper so, oh my and it was just kind of a funny little sneaked in song of his but uh why is the song played in the end credits yeah yeah they always and, uh, do the something... 80s movies exactly right but something that uh, Carpenter does, and I guess this is why a lot of uh, a lot of actors love working with him, is aside his sets are always very laid back and very relaxed, especially with Deborah Hill. They he always writes little notes and such and background for his characters, and he gives this to everyone. So it's kind of like a this is how I envisioned you, and there's. Donald Pleasance was one of the characters as well in this, and there was two of the professors that he wrote specifically these parts for. And everyone had something in mind that they didn't share with everyone else. Like Alice Cooper being the leader, he was a psychotic bum at first. He was schizophrenic. And even though it's not mentioned in the movie, he said all the homeless people that he recruited, they're all soulless. And it's like he was made the leader because... He had these visions, so it made him more susceptible to evil to take over and to try and say, you will lead this army and you will help. It's kind of why they all rallied behind him. And it's one of those same thing with uh, the people in there. The um, it wasn't mentioned, but it was something he actually had really wanted to do because one of the actors had given the idea when he told him the concept of the story 
was the guy said, gosh, this would be so cool if we actually made this about the seven deadly sins because you have three zombies oh, in yeah. this wow. and you could actually make seven zombies to cover each of the sins. And he's like, God, you know, that's actually a really cool idea. And it would have been like each zombie would have been a representation of that and would have been slowly revealed through the film leading up to the release of his version of Evil or the Devil's Son. But oh. it's just one of those that it would have been such a huge rewrite to the story. It would have cost so, 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 so much more. And Car so Carpenter's kind of funny about it now because he's like, it would have been really cool, but he really, really, really wanted to return to super low budget. So that's why they're like, eh, no, we'll, we'll just we'll just go with this. So you think that, so you're saying that uh, each of the scientists that yeah. get possessed would be the seven deadly sins. Yeah, it's oh. like, yeah, it was one of those that like because like the actor said it's like three of them, which he even had to mention most of the zombies were women. Yeah, it's like there was three zombies total, and he just thought, gosh, it would have been so cool if they had made them the seven deadly sins and just had it slowly work out and progress as they were each kind of possessed and turned into one later on in the film. Which even then, it's like I didn't know that he actually had said they were zombies in the film, but it's again something that Carpenter had put in the background to each of these characters. And it's that's again, cool. It's, it's it really is. I really like that he does that, but even. Even outside of this film, just all the films they work on, uh, they've always made films with people that they've worked with before or people they were friends with. And that's why he was able to keep his budget so super low. But something that carried from when he made Escape from New York and when he made Halloween was a lot of the people that they had working with them, they weren't going to get paid and they were going to get in a lot of trouble because they weren't, um, they weren't film actors in a guild. They weren't union. Mm -hmm. So what they literally went around doing, him and Deborah Hill did, were like they would walk over and say, "Here, hold these cables." Like, okay, it's like congratulations, you've now worked on a film set. It's like now we can put you in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's like so they got all these people, all these jobs in film because they just went around doing this. Nice. It's just it's really super cool of them. I but like them. yeah, do you wonder if Lisa Blount ever like was like. Why am I not like Jamie Lee Curtis? <laughs> Where did my stardom go? <laughs> I, that oh. was the first movie I ever recall seeing her in at all. And, yeah. uh, you know, I look up her IMDb credits on there and, you know, she's had, you know, parts and movies here and there, but uh, nothing that big. And you're right, she did become... She became both the uh, Jamie Lee Curtis character, and towards the end, spoiler here, she kind of becomes seen as the villain. That, uh, yeah. She's the image that you see yeah. with the creature coming out of the church, and yeah, she would have easily been a great uh, scream queen, uh, but after this, yeah, she just had roles in movies, but never a um, like a, a lead role as it were. So, yeah. 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 And it, that could be just her choice. Maybe she said, well, look, I just, I like acting, but trying to be a lead in the feature is just uh, too much work for me. Um, yeah. I think that was the, I looked at her IMDb. That was like probably the only horror credit I see of her doing. So maybe she's like, yeah. I don't want to do horror anymore. Uh, Cause I'm pretty sure uh, because she's the one that sacrifices herself yeah, because mm -hmm. uh, there's that moment uh, when 
I'm gonna blink her name right now. The um, blonde, the girl who's like gonna give birth to the Antichrist. Oh, uh, Kelly. Kelly, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. so she's standing in the mirror, and she's like reaching out to her father, and like this. I have to say, the devil in this movie, the, the or the Antichrist or whatever you want to call it, with that hand coming up right there. I so badly wanted that to be just some sort of Muppet. I mean, it kind of was a Muppet. <laughs> it was great, yeah. Oh, gosh, like that. What was that movie? Um, it was done by the guys who did uh, Thanks Killing. Um, the Headhunter? Uh, oh, gosh, I, I think that's it, or I'm butchering the name, but it's about a man that goes around slaying monsters, and in the end, he, he has to rip this monster apart that's basically a Muppet head on a spine. <laughs> and all it ever does is it just says things like, body. It is just this big Viking guy in full armor just fighting a Muppet. It's it's freaking hilarious. It's oh not meant to be, but it's hilarious. <laughs> that is amazing. No, I, I'm thinking like some something from like the Dark Crystal. Oh, oh like, a, like a Skeksis. Yeah, kind of used as like the devil's arm this because i just saw like this big foam like yeah love reaching out right there like that's supposed to be the devil just this little foam arm honestly when, when i saw that foam arm and saw how deep red and black that it was and the nails were i was expecting tim curry from right oh my <laughs> yeah, god i was too. really hoping that was, was gonna like, happen oh they're going with I tim curry's see, like, demon yeah see these like <laughs> Five foot black horns protrude from the mirror. It's like, oh, this is gonna be wonderful. I would love to have <laughs> Tim Curry like be the demon. Uh, folks out there, if you have not seen Legend, uh, oh. we Tom Cruise, Mia Sari, Mia Sarah, yes, uh, Tim Curry, Tangerine uh, Dream, Tangerine, that's right. Yeah. Uh, version you see, I, I think the, I, I, I didn't see Legend until like a, like about a few years ago, and there was like the. Um, there's the music with Tangerine Dream, and then there's another one with Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah. I, I watched mm. one with the Jerry Goldsmith score. I have not seen the Tangerine Dream one. It yeah. is it is pretty awesome. It's it's a trip, to say the least. Yeah. Fantasy movie really Scott checked <laughs> it out right there. Um, yeah. But here's a weird thing, too. Because when... And I'm going to look up her name again here, because... I can do that, and I can add stuff out here if I need to. Uh, yeah, so what do you have, uh, Lisa Burnett, who sacrifices herself? That part just kind of came at random for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it didn't yeah. for you, but when she decides to sacrifice herself, I was like, wow, that came out of nowhere. She just <laughs> throws herself uh, at the Kelly character and is like, all right, I'm going to just dive myself into hell with these two. And I, I, I kind of wish that – I know that John Carpenter couldn't afford it, um, but I was mm. expecting to see, like, a version of Hell in a way. Like, kind of like, yeah. you know, in Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Oh, yeah. Where they dive into Hell for some reason, and it doesn't have to be quite Hell, but oh, yeah. maybe make it throw a slight uh, view of consumerism like he did for They Live. Like, you go into Hell – and it's um, a mall or something like that, or yeah, something right there. <laughs> I, I I just thought the whole notion of her just sacrificing herself was just out there. Like it never really matched yeah. her character. 
and maybe that's just me, but she didn't oh. do a lot of action in this movie until like quite the very end. And so it's like, I'm the hero now. It's like, good. I'm glad you wouldn't be the hero, but why? Oh, yeah. And I, 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 I do uh, agree with you on that because to me, it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't like say as impactful as a, Oh, the, the character Calder, uh, who ended up, he was the, he was coming up the stairs, dragging the chair and he's yeah. just kind of melancholy singing and then he just kills himself. It's like, he's amazing like, he's, grace. Yeah. yeah he's singing the, yeah. amazing grace. He just, what? he was like, he had seen way oh, too much man. shit and he's like, he I got to He was acting his ass off. Yeah. He was a really good actor. It's uh Jesse Lawrence Ferguson. He may have been the strongest actor in the whole thing, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, he's I, been in a lot of good stuff. He was in Dark Man, he was in the Presidio, he was oh. Boys in the Hood as well. I mean, he's a really, really fun actor. Well, but, you know, the that scene where uh where uh what's her name? Uh Catherine is uh on the other side of the mirror. Oh yeah. And like reaching out. That's that and the cover for the the video were all that I remembered from the yeah. the movie. Well, that so well, those ones. Face. I mean, yeah, they didn't yeah. flesh out hell, but it still stuck with me throughout the years. Well, that's yeah. um that's something I really love, and I there's a book about the, a lot of this on Amazon. I'd love to have someday. It's just something we're missing with a lot of movies today. I feel, which is just old VHS art. It's like just a lot yes. of these images were so, so cool. They stuck with you. And that's why I love when I buy films like uh, old horror films from Shout Factory or from Vinegar Syndrome. They have these two sided uh, slip covers for your movie. And I always turn them over to their originals. And that's how this one came as well. <laughs> oh, because yeah. there's a slip cover that has all the characters from this movie and has the green goo. But then you turn it around and yeah, it's the old black scene with a silhouette of a house and a face being torn, screaming, and the green goo leading to the house. Donnie, I have yeah. the Shout Factory uh, 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 release of all of the the seasons of Maud. Wow. <laughs> 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 oh, the greatest horror ever made. <laughs> But yeah, I agree with you. Like it's part of it. Like I I remember being a kid and going into the video store and looking at all the horror movie covers and just being like kind of, um, you know, just letting your imagination run wild. Like, I wonder what that's about. And then you could create your own stories in your head. God, Hmm. I, I remember being scared of the bot start for the stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> because ah, it, just sold, it just sold like a fridge to open it up and this content spilled out of the fridge and you see all these ghost creatures come out of the ground. I'm like, man, that looks freaking weird as hell. And my dad told me about the movie, says, yeah, it's about this yogurt. You eat it and it eats you inside. I'm like, oh, that looks gnarly <laughs> as hell. And then, of course, <laughs> you watch the movie. It's not as gnarly or as scary as you thought no. it would be. And that's kind of the same thing too with Prince of Darkness because I do recall the image of the house and that face being stretched out and the i remember the trailer with the green goo and you're not quite sure what that is you kind of make up stories in your head and this is one of those john carpenter films that i've just have never seen i don't know why it just sort of slipped my radar 
Um, so mm-hmm. I am glad that you recommended it. And I do like seeing certain actors I recognize from other films. I'm like, oh, shoot, that's the main lead guy from Big Trouble in Little China. And he's playing a supporting <laughs> role. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And he's doing some hero stuff in there, too. You know, he tries to, you know, he's spying on the one girl who's <laughs> um, given birth and he's stuck inside this crawl space. And I yeah. totally forget how he got stuck in that crawl space to begin with. Um, I yeah. think he had locked himself in there because the girl, he was watching her and then she turned toward him, I think, or it was uh, something like that had happened. But I just, I just mostly remember that because he had the most awkward just conversations with the possessed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like flirting with them and telling them bad jokes. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Oh, gosh. I loved one of his jokes in the beginning that was bad. I I used to break out when I was 12. Doctors said it was homosexual panic. Oh, God. I love lines in movies, and there's some that just. This one. and this one, it's one of my favorite go-tos, was it was between Walter and Brian, where Walter was like, why is everybody looking at me this way? And Brian's like, because you're being asshole-ish. Oh, no. so like, well, it's very asshole-ish of you to say so. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's great. God. I was just thinking, like, he better live. <laughs> oh, yeah. Again, I was like, I don't care about anybody else. I just want him to live. I agree with that too, Linda. <laughs> and I'm glad he did. Um, so yeah, uh, she mentioned to the music by um, Carpenter and Alan Horwith is yep. good. I like this as well. Uh, cinematography, um, he does not use uh, Dean Cundey to shoot this one. I use a guy named Gary Kibbe, uh, who also shot uh, They Live and his version of Village of the Damned, mm-hmm. um, as well as Escape from L.A. Uh, yeah. Uh, I know that because I think it because after, um, I think after he did Christine, John Carpenter wanted to get away from horror, so he mm. directed Starman. Yeah. And then Big Trouble in Little China, and uh, Big Trouble in Little China, like we said, was a box office bomb, and then, uh, he does The Prince of Darkness, and then after Prince of Darkness, I think he just goes straight from Prince of Darkness to They Live. Yeah, and They Live was kind of like his middle finger to most of Hollywood, as well as Reaganism and a lot of consumerism. Yeah. (laughs) Donnie could verify my Animal Crossing. Uh, My whole island is full of the (laughs) signs that say buy and consume. (laughs) (laughs) Sleep. There's what there's another Carpenter. I'm looking at his filmography here, and you know of his early ones. There's still a movie on here that I still need to watch because I never finished it. And that's Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love bringing that, that on people. Like he directed that. Like yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he actually did a lot more than just horror and the stuff. Is he actually did some pretty good. Well, even that it's pretty good, but again, it's didn't really do that well at the box office but it was still a kind of fun take on the invisible man yeah but even uh i think is the very first film he worked with um kurt russell on was for a tv movie on elvis and yes. i believe that also you can get through scream or shout factor i think they put it out on dvd finally okay well very yeah um 
so I just, you know, we're going to get to the end here of our show, but uh, I just find it great, Donnie, that of all the Carpenter flits to choose, yeah. you chose Prince of Darkness. Um, I, I wasn't, like, first time watching it, I wasn't, like, high up on it as I'm sure I would have been if I saw it back in the 80s or so. I still admire the hell out of it. I thought the makeup effects were really great. It has some, like, really great in-camera special effects. I love the fact, too, that all the special effects were done in-camera because they yeah. couldn't afford to do it yeah. in post. So the sequence of the one guy standing out in the distance and he's got all the birds on him, that must have taken a lot of time to put the butt together. And yeah, I love his, I love the voice right there. It's like, I have a message for you. You're not gonna <laughs> like it. I can't. The voice he has is just super creepy. I I, I can't do it justice at all. It really um, is. But I I do ask you this, Donnie. I mean, what makes you want to like? How would you? What would you say to recommend this movie to people that have never seen it before? I mean, how would you sell this movie? I it's that's why I love it because it's a hard sell because there's been people that I've talked to that said, oh yeah, I've seen it. And even when it came out, they they had this reaction. So don't feel that you were alone. Some of them, they just fell asleep during it because they're like, it's so, so long. There's so much dialogue before anything really happens that they're just like, okay, wake me up when something happens. Or they just turn it off after 25, 30 minutes. And then there's some people that are just like, they love it up until the end because they don't like how he just leaves things to your imagination to go. Does he touch the mirror? Does he go through? Does something happen? Does it not? And I just try to sell it to people as the best way I could find out of it, which is think about a a horror movie that deals with good and evil, but it does so from a scientific point of view. And that's actually how I got my, my fiance to watch it because she has never seen a lot of horror films. Like she sure. really hasn't seen any at all. And to try and sell this to her, that was the only way I could because she's very much about science and facts. And as soon as I told her this has quantum mechanics it's got science in this trying to disprove evil when they know it is evil and they're trying to do so so that they can prove to people that if this is evil we need to be scared shitless it's like okay i'll give it a try and it's just i i like that plus telling people it's one of his lesser known because whenever people try to recommend john carper they almost always go to escape from new york they live and carrie or i'm sorry not carrie (laughs) Uh, Christine and Halloween, yeah. It's just it really kind of gets buried in all these other films of his that he's done. And at the same time, I love it because whenever people talk about his worst films, they usually mention like Ghost of Mars. When they talk about his best ones, it's either Halloween or They Live, but they never ever really put Prince of Darkness in either category because they don't um, know about it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why I like it because it's kind of like, it's kind of like being in high school, being that one kid that listens to like I did Ozzy Osbourne, and then suddenly the Osbourne show comes out and everyone's into it, and you're like, I was into this before all of you were. Sure. <laughs> I get that. I get, yeah, yeah. You, you want you want to uh, mention John Carpenter's deep cuts. Ooh. And most people don't really consider. Uh, Prince of Darkness to be uh, like it, it, most people have put it like together at John Carpenter like yeah. best of you know yeah Escape yeah. New York Halloween would be on the top of their uh, the thing 
mm-hmm. that would be like the three movies that most people recognize John Carpenter for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I thought that I I was never bored watching it. Um, I did like the fact I like being confused in movies and not yes. knowing exactly what was going on. Um, and I like the characters in this one, but I to me they were just all the same. Like this person yeah. is possessed. And then this person, I, there was not one character that stood out. That's what I really needed to have a Jack Burton. I wanted this to be the sequel to Bitch Over Little Child. Just, you don't even have to yeah. call him Jack Burton. I just want to see Kurt Russell making snipe comments in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I have Dan Stunt character go, come on, Jack. We're going to study this thing too. Like, ah, you see green goo here once. You see it everywhere. Or just, just something like that. <laughs> just have him. Just at the dream everyone has of the broadcast, just have him appear in the church shooting the dark figure. Yeah. Just walk is like, what's what's going on? Where am I? Oh, okay, I guess I'm here now. I I I I I I I settle for him being the voice of the green goo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell yourself that you're pilgrims. I'm this green goo here. I'm the embodiment of all evil. <laughs> I'm going to see radio. <laughs> If he could play sexy Santa, then like, you know, like oh, what he can't be a he sexy do? Double character, come on now. <laughs> so, uh, something, I, something I really, really enjoy is uh, um, Kurt Russell had asked Carpenter what of his characters he played in his films did he find was the greatest character, his favorite character, and Carpenter said that his favorite character he's ever played was Captain Ron. I said in your films, not those films. Yeah, I, yeah. I just love you as Captain Ron. <laughs> yeah, the Pirates of the Caribbean. I think I heard that. Yeah. I think I heard but that yeah, on the Big Trouble Little China I, commentary track. Oh, I I still need to listen because I, I've listened to so many of these things. And that that's another another thing I was going to say as well as a sell. Um. And I had to think about this with you as well, because I've really not gotten to talk a lot with people on podcast about my love of Carpenter, but more specifically the thing. It's like I own the freaking Mondo board game they put out as a very limited release of the thing. And I have a artist uh, poster of the thing right in front of me. And it's one of those films I have obsessed over. I love. And it's one of the first films of his that I show to people. But. Again, it's like I could talk for days about that film, but Prince of Darkness even more so because, again, not many people know about it. So it's just such a it's such a funner experience, I think, because everyone has such different reactions to it. Whereas yeah. with the thing, a majority of people end up loving it. And the Prince of Darkness, however, it's more you get discussions from because, like you said, it either confuses you, you get tired with it or you end up going, you know, that was actually pretty interesting. Yeah, it, it, it put it put together like a lot of concepts I never thought about for horror. I love the fact that they tried to do like a scientific approach to yeah, fight yeah. evil. Uh, yeah, it was different. I just didn't like some of the main characters. <laughs> I just wanted there to be Absolutely, just yeah. more even, there. Uh, even for like people that love music, uh, because like his usual films, Carpenter scored this. This is one of the few films of his he did because it was on a small budget. That you can actually tell how he scores the film. That his method is whenever he does the music, is he scores it scene by scene. 
once he's going in the studio and starts doing mixes for it. Oh, sure. So he doesn't actually enter with a theme in mind. He just kind of does little music pieces for each individual thing that's going on. Then if he comes onto a theme, then he just kind of latches onto it and carries it through. But even this, it's very, compared to like his other music scores he did for films, this is a very kind of subtle throughout until unholiness starts happening. Yeah, I mean, there's not like a big bombastic score or like yeah. a main theme going on there. It's uh, all very like atmospheric. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very I know cool. before COVID, uh, he was uh, touring for a while, uh, just yeah. playing music. Yeah, Yeah, that's what he's doing now. He loves he loves, loves, loves making music. And I believe his father was a musician uh, slash music teacher. And um, he he actually loves playing video games. And more specifically, he loves the Fear video games from way back when. Oh, nice. And he still, he did voice work for uh, Fear 3, and I think he did a couple tracks. But more than that, he has been wanting, he said if he ever came back to directing, he would love, 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 love to do a Dead Space movie. Because that was oh, wow. one of his favorite horror games ever. And, oh, he'd be great for that. Like, oh, absolutely. It's like, uh, that would just be prime material, but... Studios don't want to touch him because Ghost of Mars just left a really bad taste in everyone's mouth. Well, I like the fact, too, that John Carpenter is even doing some work with, like, comic books. I picked up a comic book oh, from yeah, the library, yeah. which is, like, a uh, collaboration with him and other writers doing, like, an anthology of mm-hmm. horror stories. And that's been kind of, like, fun to read. So I love the fact, too, that John Carpenter is still staying busy. He's doing, like, tours, doing, like, albums yeah. right now. I'm mm-hmm. like, good on him. You know, he's doing his own work. <laughs> And he's doing stuff that makes him happy. Great. If he never makes another movie again, fine. I mean, yeah, he yeah. still does other stuff right now. I still got other movies to remember him for. You know, plus the, the guy made some of the greatest movies of all time. So I mean, he doesn't need to prove himself anymore. In oh, my opinion. absolutely. And I still love watching on TV whenever it pops on Body Bags. Just the little horse yes. he hosted as sort of the crypt keeper in that. He's he's a great guy. It's hilarious. And you know there was um oh, you, a you, 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 comic you, you, book based on Big Trouble Little China too. I have yeah, read that old man. There's one called Old Man Jack, which oh. takes place yeah. many years after. The and they're actually doing a remake of it too. Ooh. But uh, yeah, uh, Dwayne Johnson is supposed to be playing the lead role, but uh, Carpenter was very specific about this when they talked about the remake. It's not going to be The Rock as Jack Burton. It's like Jack Burton exists. This character is going to be a totally different person. So he wants oh, good. To be kind of a continuation in that universe. He doesn't I, want it to be a direct remake. And I just hope they don't make. I I like the fact. I hope they like advertise like the Rock to be like the main star, but not have yeah. him be the star at all. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a great twist. Which would be just so great. People go all oh, to see the Rock in the movie and just have like some no name actor be like the the star lead. Kind of do like they did with Godzilla when they were selling it that Brian Cranston was going to be the main star of that film. He's only in it for like 10 minutes. And he dies right away, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. spoiler for a movie that's old now, but yeah. <laughs> oh. well, Linda, what were your thoughts about Prince of Darkness? Your... You know, I I enjoyed it. I mean, it was it was a little slow going at first um, with the long-ass opening credits. <laughs> But once they get into it, it's fun. And I, I, think, I feel like uh, the there was some strong acting in there, although I felt that the uh, the leads were a little little weak. I mean, but 
Yeah. Maybe it was just like and, the concept they're trying to sell, like, oh, this evil goo is gonna come out right there, but like Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe maybe the Prince of Darkness did influence Ghostbusters too, because they're saying, Hey, evil <laughs> goo bad goo, we can turn this into something your folks, we got money here, alright. Yeah. Eagle. People, people love goo. <laughs> Yes, once the goo became exposed to the air, it turned pink. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> so John Carpenter influenced Ghostbusters 2, which was kind of a bomb. Yeah. It did all right, Ghostbusters 2, and then, you know, we had reboot after reboot. I, I don't know, but uh, yes. There you yeah. go. <laughs> um, well, my thought stands for Prince of Darkness is that uh, interesting movie. I love the makeup effects in this. Uh, it's got a great story. Uh, it actually does have a very interesting storyline, and I do love how the story unfolds. Um, I thought the character just made some really bad choices, but I expect that in horror <laughs> film. It's a movie that I think really wanted to be deep in its yeah. presence, in its, like, its premise, but mm-hmm. it kind of failed a bit on its execution. But uh, this movie, uh, it's it's not a bad movie. I know like a lot of people consider this to be one of John Carpenter's best. Um, for me personally, I I probably wouldn't go that far. But if friends want to watch it again, I would watch it again. I yeah, I would have no problem yeah. doing so right there. So out of five stars, uh, I'm gonna give uh, Princess Darkness uh, about three. Do you feel like if he did it today and had a big budget, do you feel like it would have been better or it would have hurt it? No, this movie, you don't really need to have a big budget at all. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to need any special effects. Um, I, I kind of wish you would have just tweaked up the script a little bit to make the characters more engaging and more likable yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, it's fine. That's, 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 that was yeah, it. That that's understandable. So, out yeah. of like, what would you rate this movie, there, Donnie? I would say three and a half, four. I mean, okay. a hard, a hard three and a half. Because again, it's one of those. It's like I, it's not one I'm gonna go. Oh man, I haven't seen in a while. I gotta pop it in. But it's one of those. If it's on TV, I'll watch it. And sure. then I just have to be in a mood for it, and I'll put it on. But if it's any of his other films, it's like yeah, I just pop it in whenever. Yeah. Uh. If there ever, I mean, if like I, you, you said there was a Shout Factory DVD of this one. If there's a yes. commentary track, I would be curious to watch a commentary track because I find commentary tracks for movies that don't do so well to be a lot more fun than ones that have done well. Yeah, uh, yeah there is. There's a couple interviews with uh, Carpenter, and there's a commentary track with him and Peter Jason. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's why it's really fun because you get a lot of uh, interesting behind the scenes stuff, like. The actor Peter Jackson actually, um, he had really hurt himself on set when he went and tried running toward that door and bust it open. Oh, jeez. Uh, he legitimately did almost break his arm, and it was pretty hilarious, apparently. And it, like, stuck with him for decades, yeah. the, the pain. Yeah. 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 But it, it's really worth it, and it's in a 4K, and they even have – they've Shell Factory, I'm not trying to sell them, but – for, uh, Carpenter this film, show is sponsored by Shell Factory. Yeah. <laughs> they, they Shell Factory, give like us amazing, money. Amazing, 
Amazingly or give us DVDs. Give DVDs to us and keep the kids. <laughs> you can get mod the whole complete oh series. <laughs> Tell us more, Linda. That's the only thing you want to do. Just do it, do it for mod. <laughs> but it's like they, I think it's like 60 or 70 bucks, but all of Carpenter's films they've been re releasing in 4K. They come in this like special packaging and it has a seven inch LP that includes uh, either never before released tracks specifically from those films that Carpenter picked, or it's just tracks like the main title. Like so far, I have the Prince of Darkness, They Live, and uh, Big Trouble in Little China. But it's also one of those because, like I said, I love his films. The Arrow Video over in the UK released all of his films, or at least the top four, on 4K. And the sets they gave you with that gave you, like, these huge booklets, about four discs each of bonus material and extras on everything you could ever want to know about these films. And it's wonderful if you have a region-free player or, I guess, a console like a Xbox or a PlayStation 4 or 5 that can play those and not care because as far as I know 4K is still region free but Blu-ray not so much. Yeah, see I've got a region free player and I've got a few error releases and my Blu-ray player acts weird like sometimes it works for some discs and sometimes it doesn't Uh, but I'm not going to take it back. I'm going to keep those because I'm sure I'll find a player that I don't need to put in some special code to make it work. So I gotta research Blu-ray players to find one that's region-free all the time, so I don't have to like put in special like color codes or whatnot in there. Um, but Linda, if you were to, if you were to rate Prince of Darkness, what would you rate it as out of five? Um, you know, I I'd, I'd have to say a three because yeah. there was one likable character that you can. You going on to? It was Alice Cooper, right? It was the homeless brigade. Yeah. <laughs> homeless like, just brigade. kill them all, Alice. You know, yeah. <laughs> the homeless brigade is one character. I mean, they just, want, they just want to put together a good show, and all these scientist nerds were just messed up with their vibe, man. <laughs> but, yeah, I also got a, a special, uh, like, region... Uh, play regional player because uh, there were a couple of British shows that I I wanted to watch and had to uh, had to get a that special one but uh yeah I I don't know guys like this was it was a good story I love the movies that um that leave a lot for your imagination because I feel like the scariest thing that um that they could have in a movie is well literally the scariest thing you can think of so i i enjoy movies like uh cloverfield and um uh cloverfield project and uh blair witch you can hate me all you want and uh and this movie because they do that because they they leave a lot to the imagination but um the and like, like I was saying before that that moment where she's on the other side of the mirror after Father Loomis breaks the mirror, it's it's a haunting image and it's just kind of stuck with me for all these decades. Understandable. So, yeah, yeah. it's a it's a three. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so our total together, probably 
basically would be about like a four. So yes, uh, solid recommendation for John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. Maybe not one of his best, but uh, still, if you if you've seen all the other John Carpenter films, then you want to like reach out and see more. Then yeah, Prince of Darkness would be a definitely good shot there. Um, well, after end our conversation here about talking about Prince of Darkness, I want to thank my guests, Linda and Donnie from Cage's Kiss. Uh, of course, you can follow uh, them on the Twitter spear at Cage's Kiss, and you can go to the website cageskiss.com. Um, maybe you can anything else you want to plug right now, Donnie, Linda. Um, I would also like to plug Numi for the amazing Numi 2.0 intelligent toilet again. It is an intelligent <laughs> toilet. It's a smart toilet. It may even charge wirelessly your phone while you're pooping for all I know. Ooh. Look us up, Numi. Please do. Uh, otherwise, I am Unreal Goals on Twitter. I'm also, as Laverne said, part of the voice actors cast for the amazing uh, Night of Living Dead they did. Um, I'm also with Cage's Kiss, of course, and I also have Wisdom in the Bottle, which I have a series on YouTube under Unreal Goals as well. And as usual, I'm also the boy who blew up on Pornhub. It is real. Yes. Do you want to follow me? Please never do. <laughs> and yeah, that's all I got cooking up right now. Time. <laughs> And uh, besides Cage's Kiss, I have uh, Bed Knobs and Broom Flicks, where we cover witches and stories of all formats. And uh, we just covered uh, the Blair Witch Project with Wayne from Florida Men on Florida Man, and that was a lot of fun. Very cool. Very cool indeed. Uh, yes, uh, please, by all means, follow them, listen to the show. Numi Toilets here. I'm going to reach out to you to <laughs> do some like ad spots. For Katie's kiss, all right. I'm it's... thinking of all this work that like we just created for myself. I gotta reach out to Shout Factory. I gotta reach out to Numi. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm I'm gonna reach out there as well. But hey, look, check out Katie's kiss, Shout Factory. Come on, I want a combination of like Shout Factory doing ad spot for Numi for Katie's kiss or uh, like. <laughs> Yes, if you pay for the Numi 2.5, you get the 4K projector in the back of the toilet seat. That hooks up directly to your Shout Factory account. Oh, my God. Oh, amazing year. Well, Please don't sue us, Numi, or Shout Factory, <laughs> for delivering uh, empty promises. So this episode is appearing on our uh, Patreon page a week or so before everyone else gets it. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get this episode early in advance. Uh, gotta say a big thank you to our Patreon subscribers here. Gotta first of all thank uh, Donnie for being a $10 Patreon tier. Appreciate that so much, Donnie. Uh, gotta Woo-hoo. thank Matt and Ashley from Mashley at the Movies. Thank you very much for your support. Gotta thank Jason Soto from Whatever with Jason Soto. Thank you very much for your support, Jason. Uh, check out his guest spot on our main page um, talking about Requiem for a Dream as well Ooh. as him being one of our voice actors for Night of the Living Dead. Um, and then we also got to thank uh, Jeanette Miller-Mickenham found on Twitter at aka Jeanette. Uh, thank you very much for being a continued supporter of our show as well. 
You heard her recently on our De Palma December series talking about Dress to Kill. Uh, she also played the role of Barbara on our Nate to the Living Dead audio drama, so that was a lot of fun. I plan to do more of those in the future, but I keep getting hit up with these other projects, and it's really stopping me from continuing with that. Uh, but I will soon, but damn it, I need money, so I'm just taking on projects here and there. Uh, but yes, by all means, go to our website, cinemarecall.net. Um, you can find most of our shows through other places such as Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podchaser. Yeah, anywhere you can find podcasts. We're found on Twitter at cinema underscore recall. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash cinema recall pod. I'm the Vern. Uh, I'm going to go find more about these new me toilets so I can have an awesome <laughs> rave job. Because that's what I need right now in my life. Thank you, Donnie and Linda, for recommending great ways for me to shit in the toilet here. And I love it dearly. Uh, but yes, Satan night, everyone. <laughs> Good night, Satan. Satan. Hail Good Satan. night. <laughs> and hail Satan. Hail Satan, everybody. <laughs>